This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, what's going on, church? That was awesome, wasn't it? We're going to put our hands together for that. That was amazing. Hey, welcome to RSCC. My name is Nathan, and I'm glad you're here today. We are starting a brand new series. We just got out of the series of Colossians, and so we're going to do a series for the next uh, four to five weeks called Summer Break, right? It's, it's about to be summertime. School's about to be out, and, and summer is going to be here before we know it. And so what we're going to do this series is we're going to have a little fun. We're going to look at some mindsets or maybe some theology or some topics that we want to break away from. So we got the summer part, and then we got the break. We're going to break away from some bad teachings or bad understanding. In our culture right now, there are all types of, of teachings out there, all type of twisting of scripture, all types of the, the misinformation. So what we want to do is we want to have some fun and we want to look at some topics and we're going to look at topics that you may not think about or topics that you may not realize that you may be doing in your life or something you may be doing in your life without realizing it. And what we want to break away for, from them for is one, they keep us from growing, right? If we're leaning with false information, if we have false theology or, or false understanding of something, it can really keep us from growing. But also, maybe more importantly, it really makes us bad witnesses. And there are plenty of examples of bad witnesses out there. We can all think of churches or bad Christians or Christians who aren't doing the right thing. And, you know, just this week with the Southern Baptist Convention, there are all kinds of chaos in there. And what we need to focus on is we need to focus on being better examples of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So here's kind of what I want to say for the series. This is what we want to do. We want to break away from the false. We want to cling to the truth. We want to break away from the false, and we want to cling to the truth. We want to break away. And when I think of that word break away, uh, I, I go back to my teenage years, back at old HCC, my home church, Hersher Christian Church. And every summer, we would do this little softball league. And it wasn't like, you know, we'd play other churches. It's where we would play each other as a church. So every Sunday night, after, on Sunday afternoon, after church, we would have a softball, you know, softball game. We'd split up in teams. And I, I loved it. it. It was competitive. You know, it, it was fun. We actually kept score, and we had winners and losers, and all that was fun. So you got a bunch of dads who are a little out of shape playing all the time, and you got teenagers who think they're, you know, God's gift to earth. And so it, it's just this awesome balance of, of chaos going on. And I loved it specifically because my, my stepdad, who would not go to church very often, would, would come to softball and he would play it. And I never liked being on his team because I wanted to be in the opposite team because I wanted to beat him, right? I wanted to have bragging rights. I wanted to show him who the true man of the house was, right? And we decided that by softball at church, right? And, and so one of these days, I remember this like yesterday, and you got to know my stepdad, if anything crazy or funny can happen to someone, it happens to him, right? So there's things in Jay's life that just happened that happened to no one else, and I can't explain it, right? He's like a walking TV commercial. It's hilarious, right? So he doesn't think it is, but we do. And so one day, we're on separate teams, and I'm up to bat, and he's playing shortstop. And that was the first mistake. Jay doesn't have a shortstop body. He should be playing first base or something like that, or catcher, okay? So he's playing shortstop, and I'm up to bat, and I hit it to the outfield, and, it, and I got to set the, the scene. It is one of those sunny, flat as can be, no you know, clouds in the sky, Midwest, summer, 90, you know, 90 degrees out, high humidity, 
Illinois summer days, okay? So like it's so it's so like sunny that you can't really see anything, right? You got to have sunglasses. Well, Jay's not wearing sunglasses. Mistake number one, okay? And mistake number two, he's playing shortstop. So we got all kinds of chaos going on. So I hit it to the outfield. I'm running around the bases, and I see the center fielder grab the ball and throw it in to Jay. And at some point as I'm running, I realize that Jay cannot see the ball, okay? Now, this is not going to end well. And so he's standing there, and he doesn't even realize that the center fielder has thrown it. And so he's watching and watching and watching, and I kid you not, right? That softball smacks him straight in the forehead. Straight in the forehead. So hard, you can hear the pop. It's like, <laughs> it was so funny, right? And you can see the laces on his face, right? And like, so I, I, I stopped running because I'm laughing so hard. I'm not even checking to see if he's okay. But also, like, he, you know, he wants to cuss, but he knows he's at a church league softball game, so he can't do that. And you could tell it hurt him so bad. But in that moment, at, at 17 years old, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to break away from my stepdad as fast as I possibly could. I wanted nobody to know that I was with that guy. Because who gets hit in the head playing shortstop, right? I wanted to break away from him. So when we talk about breaking away from bad theology and bad teaching, here's what I want us to do. I want us to break away from bad theology like a teenager wants to break away from their parents in public. Okay, that's what I want you to think. Like, teenagers are embarrassed by their parents. I want you to think, like, we're going to do whatever we can to break away from this, right? Whatever we can. So here's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a title that I'm calling it. It's called, My Best is Better Than You. We're going to look at this false self-righteousness or this idea that we're superior by the way we live compared to someone else. So my best is better than you. So do me a favor. Look at someone right now and say, hey, my best is better than you. Go ahead and do that for me for a second here. We'll get started here. My best is better than you, right? You got someone in this room that you think you're better than, okay? So we're going to do this and we're going to look at a parable. We're going to look at a story that Jesus told. It's found in Luke chapter 19 if you have your Bible. And it's going to start in verse 9. And we'll be there in a second. Let me set the context up of this parable. Jesus is teaching, and there's a group of people following that happens much, especially towards the end of his ministry. In Luke 19, there's a bunch of religious people around him. And so he, they're kind of driving him nuts with the way they're living. They're, they're kind of driving him nuts with this, my best is better than your theology. He's kind of tired of their self-righteousness. So he starts to tell them a story, a parable. And these parables would have been very modern stories, right? Modern examples of his time. And they may not always make sense to us, but contextually, they would have made sense to the audience. So he starts off by talking about two men that are going to go pray. And they're going to go to the temple to pray. And going to the temple to pray if, for a Jewish audience would have been something they were very common with. It would have been something that they did multiple, multiple times a week. Some of them would have done multiple times a day. They would have gone to the temple. They would have gone to this altar or this wall. And they would have started to pray. And Jesus says there's two men who are going to the temple and they're going to pray. And these two men are as, as opposite as can be. So kind of, have you ever heard this quote, like, there's two types of world, in, uh, two types of people in this world? You ever heard that? Like, there's two types of people in this world. That's kind of how this works out. So I got some examples for you. There's two types of people in this world, and they typically marry each other, okay? There's the one alarm, people. How many of you set one alarm, right? Hey, that's me, okay? In my house, this is Whitney. We'd, I don't believe in the snooze button. It goes off, you're up, okay? No snooze button. But this person, right, kind of set alarm at 7.45, 7.46, 7.47, 7.50, and 8 a.m. You're probably late a lot if you do this, okay? Two types of people. Here's another example. Chocolate bars. Okay, how many of you are this person? 
Raise your hand. All right, me. That's how I do it. Some of you are like one piece at a time. Like, no, it is too good to be breaking chocolate off at one piece at a time. Okay, there's this type of person. What else is there? The two kinds of people in this world. Some of you, I know because I send you emails and you never answer. This is definitely you right here. Okay, and then there's this person. And then here's, then this is where it gets a little debate or, or heated in households. The next two pictures could cause divorces, especially this one. Okay. How many of you are this person? Raise your hand. That is me. Okay. How many of you are this person? Raise your hand. Some of you. Okay, right? So you're probably married to someone who lives like this. And then the, 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 the age-old debate of the toilet paper, right? I'm not sure what the right way is. I don't even know how I put it on, but apparently there are two kinds of people in this world, right? And, and so there's two types of people in this world. And I want you to think of that as we're going into this parable. Two types of people in this world. They're about as opposite of people that can be in one story and it makes sense. So here's what it says in Luke chapter 19. It says, to some who are confident of their own righteousness. I love that. To some of them who thought they were better than everybody else and they looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. So Jesus like, hey, you think you're better than everybody? Let me tell you a little story. Two men went to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I, I I'm so great, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. So this is the other person who would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus says two men walk into, it's, it kind of sounds like a bad joke. Two men walk into a temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. A Pharisee. We kind of, I, I kind of rip on the Pharisees all the time, but uh, that's probably not fair. Pharisees would have been elite. People would have recognized them. They would have been somewhat excellent. They would have had, most Pharisees, at the very minimum, would have had the first five books in the Bible memorized. We can't even get five words in the Bible memorized sometimes. They would have had the first five books memorized by heart, if not more. They would have been, they would have understood the, what we consider the Old Testament scriptures of, you know, like Isaiah and prophecy better than anybody else. They would, they would have gone to the temple to pray. They would have given money. They would have looked. They would have stood out when they walked through the room or through the church. You would have noticed them and said, man, that person is excellent. And then the other person was a tax collector. No one would have liked a tax collector. We know stories of tax collectors. They would have been despised. Most people would not have wanted them in the temple because they probably would have cheated them for money. So we got two men, Pharisee, who thinks he's better than everybody else, and a tax collector. And then Jesus, who has an upside-down kingdom, who often, who, who flipped the cultural trend upside down, says, you know what? Here's the scandalous part of the story. That Pharisee that you all look at and would think on the outside was so great, he's not the one that's right in the story. The man that you would have despised, the man that you couldn't stand, the tax collector, he's the one who got it right. 
So what I want to do today is I don't want to do what people typically do when they read these verses. They typically look at the tax collector and think, well, they, sorry, they typically look at the Pharisee and say, hey, I'm better than that. And that is exactly what Jesus is telling us not to do. So what I want to do is I want to look at these two men. I want to look at the Pharisee. And I want to look at the tax collector. And I, I want to see wh what part of the Pharisee is like us. And what part of the tax collectors like us? What can we learn from each of these men? So as I started reading this and looking at this parable, which is a famous parable, it really stood out to me that the Pharisee, at the core of who he was, thought he was right. He thought that the way he was living and the way he was doing religion, the way he was living out his faith was exactly correct. He was, he was just consumed with playing the part, going through the rules, the regulations, the traditions, the prayers. But what we have to understand, and Jesus tells this parable, that to Jesus, it wasn't just about right and wrong. That there is a right way to live and a wrong way to live, but it wasn't just about that. There's so much more. It's about pride. It's about humility. And maybe most of all, it's about your posture. Not if you're standing up or sitting up straight, but how you approach God. How you approach the, 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 the altar. How you approach God how you approach and see yourself compared to others. See, at the core of this parable, Jesus is hitting on pride, humility, and, and posture. So I want to look at each of these men. We're going to start with the Pharisee. We're going to talk a lot more about the Pharisee than we do the tax collector because there's more lines about the Pharisee than the tax collector. But I, I want to talk about this today in the context of 2022, in the context of living in, what is the date? The date is more, May 29th. In the context of May 29th, 2022, why does this matter? And it matters today just as much as it did then is because of this. A Pharisee mindset can creep into all of us. And I would say the longer you've been going to church and the longer you become a Christian, the more on guard you have to be about this. So let's see what happens with the Pharisee again. We can just look at it again. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed. And so what we would know that this Pharisee, as he is praying, is he would want other people to notice him and want them to hear him. And this is what he prays. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. God, I, I want to thank you for making me so awesome. God, when you made me, you must have smiled a little extra because I am so much better than these people. You know, it would be like, hey, in first service, like, God, I want to thank you for making me a first service person because I am so much better than those people at second service that can't get up early, right? That's what we're saying, right? God, I, I want to thank you that I am better than those people who, uh, I drive a Chevy. God, I want to thank you I'm better than those people who drive a Ford, Right? Or in Indiana, God, I want to thank you for blessing me to be a Purdue fan. I got to go to the best college in all the land. I am so much better than those IU people. Right? He's like, God, God, I just want to thank you. God, mm, thank you, thank you, thank you that you made me so awesome. That I'm not like other people. I'm, I'm not a robber. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like this tax collector. God, you know me, I, I fast twice a, a week. I, I, I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I got, God. Mm, man, God, I'm so awesome. I'm great. I'm amazing. He's probably like, hey, I'm, I'm good looking too, right? God, just thank you. you God, mm, I'm a gift to you. God, this is awesome. Here's what he's actually saying. God, I want to thank you that I'm so right. 
and everybody else is so wrong. Doesn't that hit home in 2022? God, I want to thank you that the way I view the world, that the way I live, that the way I do things is so right. And I want to talk about this because there's tension in this. And here's the tension that Christians live with every day. If you believe in Jesus, if you understand who Jesus is, and you you read through the Gospels, you're going to find out real quickly that Jesus is the only way. That believing in Jesus, he's the only way to the Father. There's only one way, and he's the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is right. And we live in that rightness. We live understanding that Jesus is right. Jesus is right, right? Jesus is truth. Jesus is life. And we live with that tension. But at the same time, we're, so at, at the same time as we're living this world, we are to guard the truth. We are to guard what is right. But there's something that happens. So we have this tension. And we understand that Jesus is right. And we have this gospel. And we want to proclaim this news of being right. And we want to be guardians of the truth. But there's a lot of well-meaning Christians who aren't worried about getting out Jesus' rightness. They're worried about getting out their opinion of what they think is right. And we have the truth, and we understand the truth, and we live with that truth, and we follow that truth for many of us. But we also add our little agendas of what we think is right and how people should live. And we, we add our little agendas to, to and that we're, since we're living right, that we're superior to everybody else. And because, and I'll just say this on the next slide, because we think we're so right, and if we understand who Jesus is, we are, but we, we add so much to that at times. Sometimes, we, because we think we're so right, sometimes we can find ourselves continually offended by those who we think are wrong. We can be continually offended by those who we think are wrong. By the way they vote, by the way they look, by the way they act. And so what happens is when you think of Christianity, the one word that you think of is, man, those people are constantly offended. And here's why it's very dangerous to live offended. The longer you're offended, if we live offended long enough, instead of hating what someone does, if we're not careful, we start to hate who they are. And this is exactly where that Pharisee was. Pharisee, he, he thinks he's right. He understands who God is and he has that information and he is right. But what he misses is just because we have that information, and just because he has that information doesn't make him more superior or better than anybody. And if you know anything about the Pharisees, the religious people, they live constantly offended. And instead of hating what people do, because people do do bad things, people do live ways that we do not agree on. They do think that there's ways in this culture that we do not agree with. And, and we should hate those things and be offended by those type of actions. But instead of hating what someone does, we somehow start to hate who, who someone is. And so we kind of live in this tension. Yes, we know the truth, and that's Jesus. But that doesn't always mean we live on that truth. Let's just think about this. And even if we are right, which I believe we're right on sexuality and abortion and and what marriage should look like, we're right in all those things. But even if we are right, maybe, just maybe, our approach may be wrong. And just because you are right, doesn't give you an excuse to be a jerk. And just because you are right doesn't give you an excuse to push people away. 
And my worry is we become so focused with being right that we no longer care about actually making a difference. We become so focused on letting everybody know our opinions on social media, letting everybody hear our side of every story that comes out, that our approach is wrong. And instead of doing what we're called to do, make a difference being salt and light, we're just trying to be right. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can start to judge others in an ungodly way. And we start to compare how great and right we are to someone else. So we start with the truth. We start with Jesus. But the standards, as you see with the Pharisees, starts to become not how right they are compared to what Jesus says. No, now we start to compare them how right to how right they are compared to what we think is right and what we believe is correct. And that's exactly what the Pharisee would, was doing, right? He knew how to dress. He knew what church should look like. And some of us are like, hey, I know what everybody should have done with COVID. If I, if I was handling COVID, we would have had no issues. Or if I was in office, then there would be no issues at all, right? Or if, if everybody just dressed the way I wanted them to dress the church, it would be fine. If we just met in the part of building that I wanted to meet in, church would be great. If we just sang the songs I want to sing, everything's going to be okay. And everybody who doesn't agree with me, well, they're wrong, and I'm right, and I think I'm superior to them because I'm so right, and they're wrong. And now you see, it really has nothing to do with Jesus. It just has to do with our, our opinions and what we think is right. And all of a sudden, we think our best, our best is better than your better, and my best is better than you. And if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. It has really nothing to do with Jesus anymore. So we start to compare how great and right we are to someone else instead of how great or right we are compared to Jesus. And what we're really good at is we're masters at comparison. We're masters at comparison. We're masters at comparing our lives to other people. And it's kind of a slippery slope, isn't it? Because when you compare your life ethically to someone, what people typically don't do is they're like, hey, I'm going to look at my life and I'm going to compare my life to Billy Graham. No, they're like, dude, I'm going to compare my life to Billy and Graham down the street from me who I know aren't very good. We don't compare it to someone who we think is ethically superior than us. The Pharisee, he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to compare my life to King David. I'm going to compare my life to God. He's like, no, no, I'm going to compare how great I am to those evildoers, those tax collectors, those bad people over there. We're masters at comparison. And that leads us to this mindset of what I, what I call the righteousness by comparison mindset. We judge how good we are based on how bad everyone else around us is. Do you notice that what the, that's what the Pharisee did? He's like, God, thank you, thank you that I'm not like them over there. Not, not God, thank you for pointing out what's wrong with me so I can be more like you. No, 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 God. Thank you that I'm not like this tax collector over here. God, thank you that I'm not like my brother who's a bum, right? God, thank you. God, thank you that I'm not like that church down the road. God, thank you that I'm not like these people over here. And what we start doing is we make ourselves look good by tearing down others. We're, our righteous, it leads us to this self-righteousness, right? It, it starts to become like, I'm not, 
I'm not good because I'm trying to live the way God, Christ has called me to live. I'm good because I'm not living like them over there. And in our minds, we all have someone or someone's that we look at and say, hey, I may not be great, but God, at least I'm not them, right? We all got a them in our lives. Like, hey, God, whew, my family is a little dysfunctional, but God, I just want to thank you. You see that house, like, on the other side of town? That family, if you look up in the dictionary what dysfunctional is, their picture shows up. God, so thank you for not making me like them. God, I, I'm not that, like, God, I'm not, I don't do it all right. But I got this coworker who does nothing right. God, thank you that I'm not them. Now, I might not be great, but at least I'm not them, right? And this is exactly what we see in this Pharisee. So what we see is this, this, this theology that we want to break away from. Remember, Jesus isn't all only concerned about wrong and right. He is concerned with that. But he's also concerned with what? Humility and, and pride, ego, and posture. And so this Pharisee comes into this temple and he prays. This is a made-up story. He comes into this temple and prays. And he's all about ego. He's all about himself. And he has the wrong posture. And what he doesn't realize he's doing is by, because he's living with this self-righteousness, he's pushing the people around him that he should be reaching away. And our self-righteousness, this idea that the way we're living is superior, the way that we're living is great, and how we're doing things is right, it, it drives us away from others instead of towards them. And I want to talk about this. Because if there's anybody in this parable who should have understood or who, that we know would have understood who God was, it was the Pharisee. Remember, the Pharisee would have had the first five books, the Torah and the Bible, memorized. So what does that mean? Well, he would have known about, the, about creation, about the fall, and about redemption. He would have understood it. He would have understood God's promise to Abraham that he was going to make a covenant with him and that he was going to bless all the world through Abraham and his descendants one day. The Pharisee would have known all about his, his, the Israelites' history, his ancestors' history, and he would have known over and over again how often they messed up and how God rescued them. He would have known about the story of Moses and God leading the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, parting the Red Sea, being with them in the wilderness where they have to wander for 40 years because they just can't get it right. They would have known the stories about his ancestors walking into the promised land. He would have known all of God's greatness and God's mercy, God's kindness and God's forgiveness and graciousness that he would have shown the Israelites over and over and over and over and over again. The Pharisee would have understood that. So more than anybody, that Pharisee, Pharisee should have understood what it meant to live with mercy, with grace, and forgiveness. Because he would have been a recipient of that his entire life. His ancestors would have been a recipient of that. Now let's turn the tables. Those of us who understand who Jesus is have accepted his grace and transformational forgiveness more 
that if you understand that you've accepted that you've repented run from your run from your old life into your new life that you are no longer are who you were you now are, are who Jesus says you are more than anybody else in this world you should live with humility and grace and kindness and love towards others that if you truly have experienced that this transformational forgiveness, this grace, the transformational power of Christ in your life, the love that he offers us, even though we are sinners, and the Bible says we are all sin and fall short of glory of God, but Jesus has saved us and redeemed us and justified us and he's sanctifying us, then more than anybody else in this world, we should understand how to live toward, with others in humility and grace and love. That the grace we receive should turn into grace for others and draw us towards others. But what happens is we receive this grace. Through years, it turns into superiority. And instead of drawing us towards people to share the light, because like, hey, I see where you were and I was once there too. Instead of being with that mindset, it pushes us from other people. But if you look at Jesus, the man who was sinless, the man who was more right than anybody, he's the definition of being right, the definition of truth. He spent time with people. I can tell you story after story. Tell you about the, uh, the, the prostitute that he rescued. In, and after the, receiving the, this, this grace and forgiveness, she dumps perfume on his feet and washes his feet. Let me tell you about a tax collector, a wee little man named Zacchaeus, who everybody hated who climbed up in a tree one day because Jesus was coming to town and he just wanted to get a look at Jesus. And as Jesus is walking through the town, Jesus walks up to that tree and says, Zacchaeus, come on down, my man. I'm coming to your house to eat today. And he eats at that, that, that table with Zacchaeus. And it says he ate with many tax collectors and many sinners that day. I can tell you about a man named Levi in the Bible that we also know as Matthew, who was a tax collector, and he was sitting at a tax collector's booth, and Jesus says, hey, Matthew, leave that way of life and come follow me and be a disciple. Jesus, who was more right than anybody, who had more right than anybody to be superior than other people, led with grace and love. Did he always tell them what was right? Absolutely. But because of how he lived with grace and love, it opened the opportunity to show them just how right he was. So my question is, why don't we live like this? And maybe, just maybe, the answer is this. Because we're too busy being right and self-righteous. Maybe we're too busy being right and leading that, with this understanding that I'm better than you. Maybe, just maybe. And that's what the Pharisee is talking about. And, and I know it's quiet in here today. And you don't like this sermon. And you don't like this topic. But Jesus talks about it for a reason. Because he knew religious people, religious people, who play the part, act the part, but don't ever change in their heart, are going to be worried about being right and self-righteous. See, we can, we can still share the truth. And we're called to be guardians of the truth. We're called to proclaim that truth. We can do that, but do it in an effective way that, that doesn't let our self-righteousness push others away. So that's the Pharisee. So on the surface, the Pharisee, he, he was right, man. He, he did good things. He, he probably followed most of the commands to the best of his ability. 
he probably celebrated all the festivals. He went to the temple to pray, and probably more than once a day. He gave a tenth of what he was supposed to, but he just didn't understand it truly in, in his heart. So Jesus said, let, let me show you. I'm not He's like, don't compare yourself to the Pharisee and think you're better than the Pharisee, but let me show you another way. And so he tells the story, and he continues, because there's another man, and here's what it says. But the tax collector, and right away, it, it, it says, but the tax collector, and right away, we, we see the difference. It says, he stood at a distance. So right away we see this tax collector is different because he stands at a distance. He comes into the temple with a different mindset. He doesn't feel like, he, like he's superior than anybody. Matter of fact, he, he feels like that he is, he is lesser than everybody else in that temple because we see it by his posture. His posture was he didn't go to the altar and get on his knees and start praying very loud. He stood at a distance because he felt unworthy to be in the presence of God. He felt unworthy. And he wouldn't even look up to heaven. The Pharisee comes in, he looks around at everybody else and sees how great he is. And he's looking up and talking to God. This, this tax collector walks in. He's on his knees. And he's not, he, he is focused on the ground. He sees nobody else around him. He's not even looking up. So we see his posture so much different. And then he beats his breast. And this would, have, this would have been, this wording here is this idea that he's like beating himself. It's this idea, this illustration of like, this is a, a desperate cry from his heart. God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. God, not, God thank you for making me so great. He's like, no, no, have mercy on me. Why? Because I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. God, have mercy on me. And Jesus says this. He goes, I, I tell you that this man rather than the other, the, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. And we'll talk about what that means. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And this, this tax collector, this non-religious person gets it. He walks in. And as the Pharisee's eyes are on everybody else, he's just laser focused on why he's there. He said, like, I don't even feel worthy to be here, God. God, I am a sinner. He's probably saying, God, I, I've cheated from people. I've stole from people. God, I'm unworthy to be here. And what we learn from this tax collector in just two sentence, sentences is so important. It's really the solution to self-righteousness. He owns his condition. And we need to own our condition too. He wasn't focused on anybody else. He wasn't comparing his greatness to anybody else. He was comparing and said, God, I have fallen short of your standard, and I own that. Have mercy, have grace on me. We need to own our condition. We're not looking around, saying, God, man, I, I struggle. God, you've given me this beautiful life. You've given me all these things. But in, for some reason, I, I still want to compare myself to other people. I want to tear down other people thinking I'm superior. God, you give me all these chances, and I keep blowing it over and over again. God, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your kindness today. And that's what this disciple is doing. He, he's addressing his, I mean, this uh, tax collector is doing, he, he's addressing his mess. And Jesus says these words. He goes, that man went home justified before God. Justified is this idea. Justification is a scriptural word. It's, in, it's throughout scripture. It's justified. And justified means to be declared righteous. Or in this context, to make one right with God. 
So we got these two men. The Pharisee thought he was made right with God by, by playing the part, by looking the part, by keeping his commands, by, by doing all the checklist things that he had to do. But justified to be, is to be declared righteous, to make one right with God. And we know there's nothing we can do, no work that we can do that would make us right before God. Nothing that we can do would make us right with God. Not our last name, not how great we are. Yes, there's going to be transformation in our life, but no, no works can make us right with God. Our righteousness comes from placing our faith in Jesus, the finished work of Jesus. It's Jesus that makes us righteous. It's the way he lived. It's that he lived a sinless life. It's that he died to sin. It's that he loved people, that, that he lived all, uh, all out. He lived all the commands, out. that he lived the life that we were supposed to live, and that he died in our place, so his, the way he was living was credited to us, so we get credit for what Jesus did. Our righteousness comes from placing our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that we're made right with God, not by our action, but by the work of Jesus. That Jesus, who lived a perfect life by putting our faith in him, is how we're made right. The tax collector understood that we're made right with God because God makes us right with him. By, 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 with us now, it's Jesus. The Pharisee thought he was right because he lived better than other people. But we're made right with God, not by our action, but by the work of Jesus. So the posture of this tax collector was correct. So the question is, how do we get this posture? How do we live like that? And I want to give you one phrase. This is the easiest way to do it. Look up, not around. Look up, not around. You know, and I, I don't, I'm not real smart. I don't know everything. I don't have solutions to everything in this world. I don't, I don't pretend to know I'm right about everything. But I just call things how I see it. I believe if people in our, our country, in our world, if our churches spent more time looking up to God and not around at what's going on with other people, how other people are doing things, we need be, we'd be in a much better, much better state. Because when I'm focused on God, when I'm focused on God, I mean, when I'm literally looking up, I can't even see you right now. So when, I, when I'm looking at, when I'm focused on what God is calling me to do and how God is calling me to live and that I, I'm supposed to live to God's commands and Jesus' standard for me, and that involves preaching the truth and reaching people, but if I'm so consumed with what Jesus, what God wants me to do, if I'm, I'm consumed by looking up and saying, God, I'm so sorry, I'm sinful, I'm broken, God, speak to me, God, use me. If I'm focused on that, it is very hard to see people around me. And what I mean by that is very hard to compare how I'm living to other people because I'm so focused on how God wants me to live. And it's not that other people don't matter, but when we're looking up and we're with our right relationship with God, God can use us to be an effective witness to people around us. And that when we're doing that and we're, we're transformed by God's grace and mercy and we're looking up, it allows us to look around then and offer that same transformational grace or teach people about that grace and forgiveness that we have through Christ. And I, I love what Paul wrote, the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Those people that we think we're better than, those people on the other side politically, those people on the other side uh, of us morally, Jesus came to die for them as well. And I love what he says at the end, that Jesus came to save sinners. I love this line. 
It's the humble line. It's the line that, that sets me, when I'm feeling superior, it gets me in place. Christ came to save, save sinners of whom I, this is Paul writing, right? Paul wrote so many letters in the New Testament, most of the, more books in the New Testament than anybody. He goes, Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul's like, don't just focus on looking around. Look up and understand that Christ came to die for you because you were a sinner too. And all that good that you do, you shouldn't be comparing yourself to other people. There's only one person you compare yourself to, and it's Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You want to compare yourself, compare yourself to that standard. And when I read this, I, I understand this. It's impossible to understand the transformational power or work of the cross and be self-righteous. It's impossible. We can see what's wrong with the world and we can see that it needs fixed and we, we know that the world needs to get back to the way God's living and we can we preach the truth and we can understand that there are people who live differently than us that, that we do not approve of and we are to go into the world and we're going to redeem the world and stop rejecting everything. We're gonna start redeeming things in this world. But we also understand as we're doing that, we live with a lot of grace because once we understand the work of the cross, it's impossible to be self-righteousness self-righteous. And at the cross, here's the promise. We're all equal. We're all sinners who fall short in the need of a Savior named Jesus Christ. And that understanding should lead, lead us to look up and not around, understand and accept grace, and go and try to redeem the world with that grace that we've received through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that at the foot of the cross, we're all equal. God, at, at times, we, we think we're superior, and it's easy to compare ourselves to other people who are doing things that we don't approve of, God. And we know that there's a right and wrong, and we know that there's a way to live and not to live. And, and you set that standard. We don't set that standard. You set that standard. But we're also reminded time and time again that we do fall short and we do sin. And that's because we're flawed and we're, sin we're, we're sinful people. But God, at the cross, we're all equal because Jesus came to die for each and every one of us. And Father, that's what I pray we focus on. When we see people who are, are, are voting differently than us or living differently than us, that, that it doesn't drive us to a seat of superiority. It drives us to graciousness and, and kindness and, and understanding that we once were there too, Father. And we look for a way, we look to you for a way to share the truth with them and, and the way you would allow us to and would want us to, God. God, the world may seem dark, but we often tell us when the world is the darkest, that is when your light can shine the brightest, Father. And I pray that in, in the world of hate, in the world of darkness, of killings, and all this, that we can be a church that shines light more than anything else because we're looking and we're focused on a coming king, and that's you. God, we love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.